Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined as always by my good friends Richard Hello. and Michael. Howdy. Richard and Michael, they like to debate and deliberate the most ubiquitous aspects of any given topic. And this time around, it is the Mount Rushmore of one-off Skywalker. Oh my God. No. Skywalker? Skywalker. <laughs> and this time around, it's the Mount Rushmore of one-off Skywalker saga characters. Richard, you chose it. Why? I did. I think when I was watching Rise of Skywalker, I started oh. thinking about the idea of, you know, so many of these characters, and especially with Rise of Skywalker, they had a ton. You had a ton of, like, kind of cameos mm-hmm. of characters okay. who kind of came back from yeah. previous yeah. episodes. Yeah. Mm. And so I started thinking about, you know, the characters who were just in one episode, who only had one chance to make a mark. Mm. Um, and I, I said Skywalker Saga because obviously Rogue One is its own movie. So with a few exceptions. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert. They're all going to be one off characters. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and, and Solo obviously had a ton of characters who we already knew and we saw earlier on. So, mm-hmm. um, so I wanted just to sort of keep it narrowly focused on those nine movies. Yeah. So this doesn't include, I didn't include any, anything from like the Clone Wars. Nope. Nothing like that. Cool. Great. Super. What's cool is like this, I, 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 I do I, like, I do like a narrowed focus. And, and but I'm not going to get too pedantic. If like one of us says one and someone goes, well, actually there is a scene where in the background you could see those characters. No, yeah. I mean, he has to be like in. He was doing me, Jeff. Okay. Yeah, by the way. <laughs> in, case, in case the listening audience uh, was unfamiliar. Because I, I thought it was Babu Frick. I'm actually. really, I'm really hot. I'm really hot to, uh, to correct Richard. I'm just every chance glad I can. we are finally talking about Star Wars on the podcast. Ah, like we've never done. Next we'll have to do a Simpsons episode. <laughs> Simpsons and maybe wrestling. Okay, so uh, Richard chose the topic. Michael, you go first. Okay, well, I had to break mine down into categories. I haven't done that. In, that's a bit. has been a minute. Yeah. In, in a long time. So I thought, okay, well I want at least one from each of the different trilogies. So one yeah. from the prequel, one from the main trilogy and one from the sequels. And I was like, okay, okay. well what else do I want? I was like, well, one of them should be a creature. Yeah. And I was like, well, one should be a droid. So I have kind of like these okay. internal constraints on them. Okay. So I guess I'll just start with uh, the prequel. Wait, is this Richard talking or Michael? Are you, he does such a good impersonation. <laughs> okay. He's, he's now, Richard, you say howdy. No, Michael, you talk. No. I don't even know what's happening anymore. <laughs> so I'm going to start with a character from the prequels. Um, so I'm going to start with Attack of the Cl- uh, Star Wars Episode Two's Attack of the Clones. Oh, okay. The character of Dexter Jetster. Oh, yeah. From Dex's Diner. Is that the robot? This isn't the robot. Okay. This is... Because we've the, talked about him before, the droid. Yeah, the the kind of um, Alice-type... Uh, right. Uh, Vic, uh, Mel. Yeah, the Mel. like Mel. Yeah. So this is the the owner of said diner. Yeah. Um, who is like a kind of overweight, six-armed mm-hmm. uh, creature-looking thing. And yeah. And he's like, hey, he's really friendly with Obi-Wan. Yeah. And he, Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, kind of brings in this... He brings in this... Uh, this dart that he found on yeah. the slain body of a bounty hunter and to kind of identify some markings or something, try to figure out where it came from. And the, you know, I'm sure that there is an extended backstory where these guys have been friends and yeah. had went on their own particular adventures, but he comes in. Oh, you don't think it's just a pancake based <laughs> thing. Like he goes and gets pancakes there. And he knows uh, hey, by the way, <laughs> I know you've seen some shit before you start <laughs> making pancakes. I know it's a long shot, but 
but so he comes in and he kind of identifies and he's really friendly with him, but he's kind of, uh, I don't know, he's a very interesting character. It's very much like a character role. He's doing a lot of like interesting, yeah. weird things with his hands and yeah. a lot of character work. And I think that the character works in, the movie is terrible, but what I think they were attempting was this kind of 1940s film noir style detective angle for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Where he's following these details and going to the seedy parts of the galaxy and he, he has to go to his friend that's seen it all. And he kind of fits within that world. It mm-hmm. wasn't executed great, but you could you can identify this character. You know who he is in like storytelling. Yeah. He's, a, he's a person that's been in the shit, but he's retired uh-huh. and all he wants to do is sling hash and flip yeah. pancakes yeah. and run his dumbass diner or whatever you know what this character is even though it has six arms and i don't know i think that was a very interesting um storytelling choice it was just a shame that they really they really did such a bad job right on just the rest of it there's a there's possibly a good obi-wan there's a there's a great obi-wan detective story obi-wan kenobi detective of the stars or whatever well maybe we'll get that with the uh tv show oh yeah that would be Very great. Possible. That would be great. Anyway, but this guy, he's, you know, he also, I think, um, perfectly captures what George Lucas was trying to do with these, with this new technology and like this digital CGI character that looked quasi-realistic but wasn't quite man-in-suit sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, it was everything that was great and everything that was wrong with it, too. Mm-hmm. And I, the prequels are that. Yeah. Like everything that's great and everything that's wrong with like this whatever he was trying to do. And I, I thought that the prequel should be representative. Yeah. Represented in some way. Yeah. You know, did, did Dexter Jetster, Jesus Christ, have in his employ a droid who was, had the same number of arms as he did. Cause I remember you pan, don't you pan past a person who is now the fry cook and it's a, it's a robot with multiple arms. Oh, probably. Oh God. He's high. He's, God, look beyond your own yeah. race person. <laughs> well, I thought that was a neat touch. Like, um, he graduated from being the chef himself and replaced himself with a robot that was like <laughs> him that, that had multiple arms. Hmm. Richard's yawning. Okay, Richard, nope. what's your first choice? I wasn't yawning. I was just stretching my mouth. <laughs> my first choice. You mentioned you mentioned this character briefly. Oh. Babu Frick. Babu Frick. Okay, cool. From Rise of Skywalker. Hey, hey. Yeah. Even hey, hey, even if even if you didn't like Rise of Skywalker, and I know there are probably very, very diverse uh, opinions on that movie in our listenership. Yeah, I think you would agree that that Babu Frick was the breakout star. Yeah, he was of, a lot of, of the movie. Um, so in the movie, if you haven't seen it yet, he's basically the droid smith who used to work with Poe Dameron and uh, Zori Bliss as spice runners on the planet of Kij- Kij- Kijimi. Yeah, could bless you. you. I almost said almost said kimchi, <laughs> which is a wrestler from the the nineties, um, and he's basically brought in to try and extract uh, this uh, decipher the Sith inscriptions that uh, C three PO has in mm-hmm. him, but he can't get out because he's he's blocked from doing it. And I love this character for a variety of reasons. One of it is because uh, it's played by Shirley Henderson, who also played um, Moaning Myrtle in the Harry Potter franchise. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, you didn't know that? No. And That's she, wonderful. And she actually, um, this whole thing is actually a, a feat of practical FX instead of CGI. Mm. 
this is mainly puppeteering. It's kind of like a Baby Yoda type thing. Oh, that's great. And Shirley Henderson actually learned how to do puppeteering. Oh. So she could work the puppet's mouth because she wanted to be able to improv lines and noises oh. and things like that. That's she wanted super. to be able to improv it as she was going along. Yeah. So she actually learned how to do the puppeteering. She John Malkovich it. <laughs> um, so she could do that, which yeah. I think is just absolutely fascinating. How Frank Oz of her. Very much oh. so. Hmm. Um, and also, it's just... It's the character that gets really the most laugh lines in all of Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Whether it's the catchphrase, like you said, or there's several several other key moments in there where there's just... It's a funny character. I think what Star Wars is able to do really well, they've always been able to play with um, size mm-hmm. and, and expectations of size. You know, oh, yeah. Yoda is, you know, just under two feet tall, standing next to, you know, Chewbacca, who is seven foot three or however mm-hmm. tall Peter Mayhew is. Yeah. And, you know, the giant Rancor or the small Babu Frick, who, you know, is... A little cat-looking thing. Yeah, this mm-hmm. thing that you know can stand on the on our table and not come up to our microphones. You know, he's yeah. a great small character, and it, I think it helps. Characters like that help to show that the world isn't just humans or humans, mm-hmm. or you know, like alien creatures that are the same size basically yeah. as a, an average human person or whatever. I I like when they have important roles for weird. Yeah, for for characters of different sizes. Is I there think. another franchise that has a greater taxonomy <laughs> of than big uh, to small? Yeah. I, I guess Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You go from like the orcs or from like the dwarfs to the ents mm-hmm. and everything in between. So yeah. I would I would say that probably. Yeah. Over, I feel like Star Wars. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think they get as big as as they maybe in that final battle in in uh, Avengers they get pretty big. Too, right. Like, I'm just happy that they, I know that they did the fake out. Where they you thought they were dead when when the uh, first order blows up uh, Kijimi, mm-hmm. and they brought him back, and that it, it, I could see where that could feel like sort of a, a cop out. Yeah, but good. I'm glad they brought him back. I'd be very happy if they, in future Star Wars movies to see more of Babu Frick. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Okay, uh, Michael, what's your second? Uh, my second choice, moving along into like the main trilogy, is um, from The Empire Strikes Back. Lobot. Oh yeah, nice. Lobot is one of those wonderful characters that doesn't have a single line of dialogue, mm-hmm. but every person I know had him as a toy. Yeah. Somehow everyone had just Lobot. Mm-hmm. You just had him. You're just like, why do I have the bald guy with like the yeah. metal shit on his head? I don't know. Everyone had Lobot. Yeah. Because you, the, what Lobot could be in your imagination was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, he's just a bald guy with metal crap on his head. Yeah. But the character itself in the movie. Star Wars does a lot of um, sidekicks and kind of like uh, major domo type characters like yeah. Bib Fortuna. Yeah. I was going to choose Bib Fortuna, but then I remembered they shoehorned him into the Phantom Menace. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Bib Fortuna is great. Mm-hmm. But Lobot himself made one appearance, was in a handful of scenes. I don't even know the actor's name that played him. But he's so like, he's got like that great craggy face. And it made bald guys look cool. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. He might be on the Mount Rushmore of cool-looking bald guys mm-hmm. with, like, Mr. Clean. And he had the reverse of uh, uh, Jordy, right? He had, he has, Lobot has the headband that goes around the, the Yeah, back. he's the baseball player that's wearing his shades behind his, yeah. his head <laughs> yeah. instead yeah. of right in the front. <laughs> but, he, you know, he plays ultimately a character that doesn't have any lines of dialogue, but he plays an important role in assisting mm-hmm. Lando Calrissian to, you know, help uh, Princess Leia and Chewbacca and... 
a banged up 3PO escape from Cloud City. Yeah. Um, I love the idea of just like this kind of mindless robot Mm -hmm. guy. And of course it didn't, you know, it took years and years and years and years later for me to realize, oh, it's a, maybe it's a play on lobotomy. Oh, wow. No, I never thought about that. Like, oh, this guy obviously had part of his brain removed and they put like a metal thing in there. And now he's part robot and part human. He's a cyborg guy. Oh, a lobot lobotomy. Wow. And, you know, but when you're five years old, eight years old, you're like, Lobot's fighting against the twin pod cloud car guys now. And (laughs) who's going to rescue him? Oh, here comes Chewbacca and C-3PO fell apart again. I assumed, I assume when Jennifer Lopez ultimately marries Timothy Bottoms, that that will be what they go by as a couple. (laughs) Lobot. Lobot in all the tablets. Uh, Manfredi, what's your second? My second is poor, poor, doomed, big Starklighter. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, from A New Hope, once he said the, this line, it'll be like old times, Luke. They'll never stop us. <laughs> you knew he was a dead man walking. Yeah. Um, but he still plays an important role in the whole uh, Star Wars universe because he's the one who kind of stokes Luke's sense of adventure and his dreams. And he's kind of the person that shows him that you could get off a tattooing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think because of that alone, he plays a very important role in the movie, even if he's someone who wound up not having a ton of lines and winds up getting getting uh, blown blowed up real good. Mm-hmm. Isn't he in the the outtakes of A New Hope? Yeah, I don't know if you there seen, is I, yeah. the deleted scenes with him are great. Where yeah. where Luke is called Wormy mm-hmm. by like Cammy and Fixer and all the other people and Tank all his like crew <laughs> over at like Moss Eisley or wherever. Yeah. yeah, there's a whole like Bigs comes swaggering in like the, you know, BMOC. Yeah, exactly. If it, it there is a version of Star Wars that could have been made where Biggs was a very prominent supporting role character. Yeah. He just got most of his shit cut out for whatever reason. I, I you know, I, I, I understand why they cut it out, but I think at the same time it would have been a more interesting movie to kind of understand a little bit more about Luke's backstory and who he was exactly, and not just see him from the lens of being this farm boy with his parent, or not his parents, mm-hmm. but his aunt and uncle. I think it would have been interesting to have those scenes in there, but I understand why they got cut. Biggs is also one of those characters that um, there's so much potential in him. You know, in the movie, he's only known as Biggs. Luke just calls him Biggs. It's like, you're all right, Biggs, all this stuff. And then you learn his name is Biggs Darklighter, and Darklighter feels like this previous script where George Lucas, you know, Luke was Luke Starkiller and they had all this nonsense about, you know, when he was originally writing it and he just, Mm -hmm. it was just so, you know, Flash Gordon-y, overwrought and overwritten. Right. And and dark lighter. It's just like, oh, you're two sides. Two sides of the same coin or whatever. It doesn't make sense. So there is also in one of the early uh, drafts of the script, he's written as King Chaos's son. Yeah. Which would, right, make him Leia's brother? Is that right? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's right. Read there, you know. There's I have this um, making of Star Wars book, the the Rinsler book, and he has like these amazing accounts. They're impossible to read because they're so big. There's these big like tabloid, or right. these big like coffee table. But like the writing is so small, it's just hard to read them. But what's even more uh, difficult to read is uh, George Lucas's screenplay stuff, where it's just all Rough. over the place. You're just like. What is going on here? You don't even want to read it as like a fantasy book. <laughs> so I, I just had him on there. I think he is representative of many characters in the Star Wars universe who 
there are deleted scenes out there or for mm-hmm. previous versions in the script that would have had much more prominent roles, but for one reason or another got cut down. And Biggs is a prime and maybe the most egregious early example of that. He's also one of those characters that really sells Luke being alone against the Death Star. You know, when he's in that final battle and yeah. Biggs blo- is shot out of the sky and Wedge has to bail and, you know, he's just flying down the trench. And then, of course, you know, Han comes to his rescue and he hears the voice of Obi-Wan and all that. But, like, this was his best friend that he looked up to. This was, like, his first... Before Han was this cool guy, Biggs was the cool guy. And then he got blown away. So, like, you can really feel Biggs' absence when he's gone. Well, you can tell by how much Luke mourns him after he lands. Well, he loves... Oh, wait. (laughs) Nobody mourns anybody dying in the Star Wars universe, (laughs) particularly A New Hope. All right, guys. All right. It's time to get in the hot seat. That's right. Things are heating up here at the Mount Rushmore Podcast. Woo! All right, at this time, (laughs) at this time, you each have to tell me a choice that didn't make your top four list. That's right, show me your stuff. (laughs) Let it all hang out. Let's get dirty. Let's show me that thing that you thought better of. Okay, Uh, Michael, what was on your list? DJ, the the overly performed... um, uh, kind of locksmith character from The Last Jedi. Oh. What was uh, what was the actor that played him? He was also in... Uh, uh, Benicio Del Toro. Benicio Del Toro. Oh, yeah. Who was like... <laughs> he, he is he is the reverse Lando. Yeah. He comes in and you think you can trust him and then he kind of gets them out of trouble and then he sells them short. Yeah. And it's like... Okay. It's, La- it's Lando Calrissian but just in reverse. Yeah. I felt like they had extra days left over from his... Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy contract mm-hmm. or something like that. <laughs> this is Benicio. We already gave you the money. You got to come in a dual part. You got to come here and can you stutter a little? Can you just affect something? Just, just be like, weird. Yeah. Just be a weird. Bit, just like, be weird. Hey, <laughs> 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 like, okie dokie. Okay. Yeah, it didn't work. All right, Richard, show me your stuff. All right, so mine I didn't choose because I only wanted to have one from each movie. So from Rise of Skywalker, my choice, other choice would have been Dio. Dio, not John, not Ronnie James robot. Dio, but the actual robot, the yes. little robot. Yeah, adorable. Yeah, um, you know, BB-8 levels of cuteness. But I also love the fact that he's kind of like a scared dog. Yeah, you know, yeah. The, the whole idea that uh, that Ochi kind of had obviously abused him and been very mean and cruel to him kind of makes him gun shy. Okay, and so that the you know you kind of see them having to win him over, and it's you know if anyone's ever been around or experienced a pet who's been like that before you know you understand all right that was our hot seat show me your stuff that you don't want anybody to see okay that was a weird new thing that may not come back so okay guys thanks for doing that this is our halftime and at this point uh we want to invite you to go out on our uh oh that's not it <laughs> go out on our our, our this, you know, aluminum you know, baseball bat i gotta say this jeff <laughs> You know, podcasting on a new uh, on a new board setup ain't like dusting crops. No. <laughs> Make one small one wrong calculation, you'll find yourself blasting in space and bounce too far off of a thing, you'll find yourself floating home. I screwed that up, but you know what I mean. Yes. Michael, sorry, trying right? to quote Han Solo is not like dusting crops at home. All right? Thank you. Thank you.
Okay, um, I clearly left in the toy, <laughs> and, but don't know how to play with it yet. Um, we want to invite you to go out onto our social handles, such as Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and join us in the dialogue. You can hear about upcoming episodes, and you can make suggestions for upcoming topics for future episodes. Previous suggestors have ended up on the show with us, and they could be where? In the hot seat! So anyway, um, <laughs> want to implore you to go to wherever you get your podcasts and download, rate, and review uh, past episodes. It helps uh, like-minded individuals. Do you, like, think, do you think Lobot has like a podcatcher just inside does. his little? Head Lobot is a podcaster. Podcatcher. <laughs> he's a podcatcher. He's not a pitcher. He's a podcatcher. And he's oh hey, Mar- there's a new Marin. Bloop. Lando's trying to tell him to do something. Right. <laughs> oh my God. Corolla's talking about whether he was a construction worker. Oh. Even Lobot is fast forwarding for the first 12 minutes yeah, of Marin. Of Marin. <laughs> when you hear him play guitar. Pow! Uh, I just shit my pants. Okay, I guess that's the interview. So, uh, yeah, so do that, and we'd appreciate it. And uh, stay tuned for a live episode in March. We're going to have a St. Patty's Day uh, live episode. At least we think we are the Mount Rushmore of awesome Irish people. And we're back, and we're back, and a Michael Winfield is going to let us know his third official choice. I wanted to include a droid on my list, and um, so I'm staying within the uh, original trilogy um, from Return of the Jedi, EV-99, oh, okay. which is the, uh, not in the interrogation droid, but like the brutish droid. The tortured droid. It's within the realm of the torture droid. It's like the administrator droid that mm-hmm. uh, lives in the dank basement of Jabba's yeah. palace. Oh, yeah. And uh, the female program droid um, apparently kind of is adept at seeing other droids pain through some mm. sort of special sensors. Mm. But what I loved about EVD, EV99 the most is the little flapping mouth. <laughs> Just It has this little flapping mouth that when it talks, it is such an unnecessary yeah. Uh, addition to a droid that like every other droid we see you can you can hear the voice you see art you know 3po yeah. standing there but evd has this, yeah has his little mouth yeah the face is like a and down the and face is like a radio you don't need a flapper to yeah. like to let you know that it's going on but i think that this um and two it's like its arms move very mm-hmm. it feels very much like a puppet yeah. Like a marionette rather than, yeah. than like, you know, uh, an Anthony Daniel, Daniels yeah. inside a suit. Uh-huh. I think because it's so skeletal, too. Mm-hmm. But the I like that it's, you know, one of those droids, like Star Wars has so many of, that has, like, attitude. And it just takes no guff from 3PO and shoots 3PO down, which is almost just mm-hmm. the best Sacred, thing in the world. Yeah. You, you love to see 3PO put in his place, especially by another yeah. droid. And he's like... And same thing with... Um, or two, and it's funny because you think that this character is just there to be funny or there to whatever, but it actually plays like a very kind of important plot point because it gets 3PO reassigned to being standing next to Jabba the Hutt. So you can translate the yeah. things that Jabba is saying to Luke and to Boosh mm-hmm. the bounty hunter and to all these different things. It, you know, it helps facilitate just the storytelling of what's going on screen. Yeah. And then with R2, it sends R2 to the sail barge to serve drinks to, to oh. their guests. You know, the, the plot to rescue Han Solo from Jabba's palace is fraught with like, how is any of this supposed to work? Yeah. You send in 
Lando. Then you send in Chewie mm-hmm. as being captured by Leia in a yeah. costume, and then they can't get out. Who's supposed to get Chewie out? What happens to the droids? And then Luke shows up and as, as a badass without his lightsaber, and R2 has to be in the right spot on top. Like, mm-hmm. all of these things have to happen for Luke's grand plan yeah. to work. Maybe because he's a, a Jedi or can use the Force. Maybe he can foresee, oh yeah, yeah R2, you're going to be reassigned as a drink-serving mm-hmm. droid, so yeah. I'll just stuff my lightsaber in there and pop it out to you to me in the exact right moment. Yeah. But without that one scene, you don't really know why 3PO would be there. You don't know why R2 would be this other place for these other things to kind of mm-hmm. culminate mm-hmm. Um, later on. Yeah. Thank you, EV99. Thank you, EV99. Like uh, kind of the puppet master a little bit. Was there? Did R two have like a C compact disc on his his uh, beta max. extender arm? Beta max. <laughs> I feel like in that scene, I think it was before CDs were that pref- prevalent. There's something like on him when he's a waiter or a cocktail serving cocktails. There's something like a CD or something like that. It looks just like a CD. I don't know. I know I that he's uh, maybe he's like wearing like a tray. Yeah, a drinks tray. Yeah. which is yeah. Okay, uh, Winfield, what you got? No. All right, sorry. Okay, Manfredi, what do you got? All right, so my third choice. So during the Mandalorian. Oh. So Harton, I'm not, this is not a Mandalorian choice. Okay. okay. But I'm just I'm prefacing this by saying, during the Mandalorian, there were hardcore Star Wars fans who were treated to a delightful cameo that uh, harkened back to The Empire Strikes Back. It wasn't a character. No, it was an object. The Camtono. Mm. It's a type of safe that looks mysteriously oh. like... An ice cream maker. Oh, sure. So my choice is Will Rowe Hood, mm-hmm. otherwise known as Ice Cream Maker Guy. <laughs> okay. Um, He's the guy running with ice cream. He is the guy on Cloud City during the evacuation, who you can see in the background, kind of in the background, kind of in the foreground, um, running away with a, uh, what, what is, what we later learned through the Mandalorian is a, a very advanced safe thing. At the time, everyone looked at that and said, why does that guy have an ice cream maker? Yeah. Why was what's so important about ice cream on Cloud City? <laughs> and this is how Star Wars was back, you know, when we were watching it and first experiencing it. You had no way of, like, going online and finding out information about this character. And yeah. you didn't have these websites that were just, you didn't have Reddit. You didn't have interviews with everyone that were, you know, with the, the makers and creators of the of the movies that were giving all these, like, little details you just sort of had to fill in the blanks on your own. Yeah, between 83 and when Phantom Menace came out in, what, 99, it was kind of this, the dark times when all of your information was from, like, Lucasfilm books. Yeah. So you'd have to, like... Or a newsletter, maybe. Yeah, yeah Bantha Tracks. So, mm-hmm. like, you'd be like, okay, um, I guess whatever they say in the tales of the Moss Eisley Cantina is what happened. Mm-hmm. I guess the tales from Jabba's Palace is... Yeah. Or it was like all filled in from information from like role playing games, where like the Lucasfilm was just like, uh, well, we, we gotta sell some merch, we gotta sell some stuff, just make some stuff up, and we'll okay the story, the backstory, and there's Will. Rowe we Hood. eventually got backstory because he was such a cult hero. First off, starting in the card game, and then later on in various media. Mm-hmm. I think most of it was legend, so mm-hmm. not necessarily canon now, but I, that's stupid. If you uh, get a chance, probably Richard, you probably already looked it up. The, they have the running of the Wilrow Hoods at um, oh, I don't know if it's at Comic Con or if it's at Celebration, uh-huh. where you know a gaggle of <laughs> thirty or forty people all dressed up carrying the same right. uh, ice cream maker, 
I'll run through, you know, the various <laughs> conventions. That's the best. That's that's such so good. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and the backstory is eventually that Wilbur Hood was working for a mining corporation on Cloud City, and he was uh, in charge of making sure that the Rebel Alliance got their gas at a discounted rate in order to help them. And the Camtino had a all the files on who was getting this discounted gas, which would be very bad if the Empire yeah. was able to get that information and find out who was working with the Rebels. Mm-hmm. So that's why it was so important for him to be able to take that. He eventually disposed of it, was captured and tortured on Cloud City, but never broke. Oh, wow. Well, Roe Hood, a goddamn hero. A damned hero. The discount on Hood on the gas was just like Ralph's cards. Yeah. 30 cents. 30 off. cents. If you've, yeah. if you've spent 100 credits, you get 30 credits off. So the Camtino, is it what is it called? Yeah. Uh, that is a container, a safe. It's basically a safe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I wonder what format, because I, I'm interested in some of the uh, portable disc formats of star wars because you'll see different things that look like a little floppy disk or a big oh, hard drive or you'll see mm. um who was she or carrie that was big those big hard drives are part of rogue one yeah i realize it's not necessarily the skywalker saga or whatever Still. but uh and then later on um they have like the uh like the jedi holocron or yeah. the Sith holocron they're like the little cubes or trying you know a yeah. kind of pyramid shaped things that and contain some vast amounts of information seem optical some of them seem magnetic some of them seem very. Hey, it was a long time ago. Yeah, like no, no. Lost, yeah, lost to the stars. Okay, uh, what's your final one, Winfield? My final choice um, from the uh, uh, from the sequel trilogy is um, Vice Admiral uh, Holdo from oh. the Last Jedi. That's a great one. The character uh, chosen or played by Laura Dern, who is introduced in the movie and deintroduced in the yeah. movie um, in a very heroic and just unexpected fashion the way she kind of comes in she coolly handles um poe dameron puts and poe his, in his damn place yeah. puts poe in his in his place um kind of keeps running the playbook as she has been instructed to by the uh now uh ill or um injured uh princess leia or general general leia, leia sorry hard old habits hard to break from calling her princess leia um and everyone is dismissive of her, dismissive of her, or at least Poe, the main character, is is not being truthful, not talking to him, just you know, being who who is this person with purple hair and this kind of mauve dress and you know to give me commands? I'm out there on the. the yeah, she looks like she'd be running a pottery stand in in Temescal, yeah, yeah, Taos, yeah. But she ultimately proves to be just a very strong-willed character, as strong-willed as Leia, as strong-willed as Poe. And she stays behind and blows the shit out of the, you know, supremacy or whatever. I can't remember. It's probably the supremacy. I think it is. The, uh, you know, uh, the giant spaceship. Yeah. And just hyperspace jumps right through it. And I just, that moment of sacrifice and being in the theater and watching that happen was incredible. Hmm. Just the silence. It was like, it was something straight out of, um, they captured something that was like straight out of Alien or Aliens. Oh. I can't remember. I think it was Alien where like it just went silent. You yeah. just saw like the light and then the absence of sound and then the everything kind of turned back up. And um, she just played a, a great character that 
obviously we'll never see another Star Wars movie again. When you've got a, a maneuver main, named after you, you've you've done something. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. So yeah, that's my choice. Okay. All right. Uh, what's your last one, Manfredi? All right. My last choice is the Sarlacc. All right. From uh, Return of the Jedi. And what can be said about the Sarlacc that hasn't already been said? I got one for you. Give the guy some sympathy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not his fault that Jabba the Hutt is using him as his personal pet. Yeah. He's just like a big, kind of not very smart creature that wants to eat. Mm-hmm. So he's going to eat whatever's thrown in there. He's not trying to eat our heroes. It's just food for him. Yeah. And he's being, and I, I can't imagine Jabba is a very good pet owner. No. So I would imagine there is a, there is, he's been starved for a while before anything gets in there. What I appreciate about the Sarlacc is that it sits there in the great pit of Carcoon, waiting for Banthas to just fall into its gaping maw. And that's just like how it lives for thousands yeah. of years. It's just, is a hairy elephant going to wander by? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Only need one every once in a while. <laughs> so a fun fact about it, actually, um, the sound that was used was a combination of alligator noises and also the sounds of some of the Jedi crew's stomachs after eating pizza. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Fascinating to me. I just, you know, this I, there is a uh, a Shakespeare version of the Star Wars trilogy. It was a, I think it was book first, and then they did an audio version of all three. It's oh, basic, sure, yeah. I don't know if you've I've heard seen, them at all. I've seen them, but I haven't heard them. Yeah, they uh, the Sarlacc gets its own uh, soliloquy. Oh, that's wonderful. It's fantastic. Everyone, every major or minor character gets one except for Chewbacca. Which is kind of infuriating and kind of perfect in its mm. own way, but yeah, the Starlight has its own little bit. So, yeah, I I, I, think... I love that authorial authorial choice to be like, I know what I'm doing here. I know what the people want. They want the chewy soliloquy. Not going to give it to them though. Starlight, but the Starlight just one of its one of one one of the uh, I think representative of this weird world of like creatures who aren't quite smart enough or refined enough or developed enough to be. Humanoid or... The, be... the megafauna of the Star Wars universe. Exactly, yeah. Like the giant space worm or the creatures under Naboo or... Yeah, there's this whole, like... In that fact, my daughter has a book of the fauna of oh, yeah. Star Wars. So mm-hmm. it's in there. Great. Cool. That's some really great choices, you guys. I, Michael, um, I'm going to try to to see if I can find a pattern, but it seems like, Michael, you chose some characters that are uh, moving chess pieces from one place to another they're they're mm. either providing information to allow the protagonist to go uh cl- get closer to solving the clue um or kind of uh kind of moving the plot around i richard i felt you did a good job of finding characters that put our hero into contrast so biggs you know puts our our hero of uh, luke into contrast to uh, will roe hood <laughs> being the guy who just kind of runs off into anonymity right you know <laughs> Yeah, it seems like, uh, especially in the um, rescue mission um, on the uh, Jabba's, um, what do you call it, skiff? The sail barge. The sail barge. Um, That Sarlacc is definitely the uh, thing that kind of ultimately gives uh, Boba Fett his his identity at the end of that. Certainly. The uh, Sarlacc also was a toy, was something that always wanted to be made into a toy that just, impossible to. You just had to find ways to try to pretend in As sand. a kid, because it's yeah. just like you, you it's can't. A big, like, it's a big thing. Yeah, it's a big hole in the ground. Yeah, <laughs> so they, sh- they should have sold just a shovel. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Build your own sarlacc. Yeah, just dig a hole. Done. 
So, uh, because I love the character, so let's get into some point given, um, which means, oh my God, I'm going to try out one of these oh. buttons here. Let's see if I'm actually able to do it. Yeah, guard your ears. There it is. Yay. There's the button. Um, so, uh, want to give a point for Babu Frick, just because he was a standout character and pretty great. That's Richards. Uh, want to give a point to um, Lobot, just because, I don't know. Because hey. he's Lobot. Dude's got swag. Um, want to give a point uh, for Vice Admiral Holdo, but I will not because she was <laughs> most detested by me. And if there was a reverse of the sound, I would somehow make it. Really? Yep. I I absolutely felt like that. Her character, that whole storyline, that thing was just a fart storm throughout that whole film. A waste of celluloid, a waste of pixels, a waste of... Biggs fart storm was another character. <laughs> yeah. Biggs fart storm. Um, All right, so what's your third? That's not her. Let's go EV99. You get some real cool storyline about how EV99 was um, moving characters into places that ultimately be very interesting for them. And just because I got to do this, because Michael's been the standard bearer for Star Wars for this whole time. Have I picked four? Yeah, you're in your fourth right now. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to take four points off for, of mine for... Anti-pick. I can't. I can't. Uh, the law of the land. He farted on it. Yeah. Let's let's go with um, Dexter Jester. And you know, Richard, you stepping up to Michael and trying to trying to try to step to the king. To step to the king. It takes a lot of cojones on my <laughs> part does. to suggest a Star Wars topic and with so, Michael here. So I got six points. Jeff, uh, Richard, you got one point, but I took off four points, so I got two points. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't Fair. know how that happened. Um, well, wow, guys, brutal. Yeah, this was super fun. And once again, I want to thank our audience for listening to the Mount Rushmore podcast. Uh, this has been Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. 